back here. We are diving into the deep end of the theological pool this morning, tackling a topic that evokes no amount of, uh, no little amount of debate and controversy and questions and struggling. And of course, I'm talking about Jesus's teaching here on marriage and divorce and remarriage and all those sorts of things. And so obviously tackling a topic like this, we need God's help. Uh, I need help. Uh, we all need help. So let's commit uh, this time that we have in the scriptures um, to Jesus um, and ask for, for him to, to come alongside of us. Lord, when we deal with issues of of marriage and divorce and remarriage, we are touching upon the most sensitive um, areas of our life. And so much of us, so many listening even now, carry just untold scars and pain and suffering attached to these issues. And Lord, we need help to really be able to sift through all that through our personal experience and get to the heart of what your word says. And so, Father, we pray now that you would uh, go before us, help us, open our eyes, in Jesus' name, amen. So let me just acknowledge the, the elephant in the room here. Uh, I'm addressing this issue from the scriptures, um, not knowing from any of you your own personal context and the questions and concerns that you bring to a, a passage like this or a topic like this. So a couple of disclaimers right off the top. One, this is not gonna be an exhaustive survey, not possible in our 10 or 15 minutes together. Um, it's meant to look at this particular passage on divorce and remarriage or divorce and marriage, what Jesus is teaching, what the context is, what, what this can mean for us. It's not to, to meant to address every single pastoral situation, personal situation you might find yourself in right now, or um, that you've been a part of in the past. Okay, so so which makes this um, sort of a tricky thing because this devotion may in itself raise many many questions for you, and if that's so, we would love to. To walk alongside of you so reach out to one of us as um, as your pastors and elders and we would love to help you as best we can bring wisdom and the truth of God's Word to apply to your situation so so please understand all those disclaimers and and obviously um, sometimes the Word of God when it pushes against our contemporary culture and the cultural air that we breathe particularly around these issues, um, we can feel um, our inner lawyer, as Paul Tripp would say, kind of rising up in defense, rising up in objection, rising up in the but, 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 sir, or I object. And let me just encourage us, wherever we are right now in our personal lives, to set those things aside and just say, God, what does your pure, unadulterated word say right here right now help me understand that and then give me the grace to know how to apply it okay with those things said in chapter 19 jesus is on the way to jerusalem and the intensity of his conflict with the religious leaders is increasing and they are looking for any and every opportunity to trip him up 
and they decide that they're going to pose this question. And you can see here, look in verse 3, and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him. So already we know that, that they do not have uh, a submitted heart to the truth of God. They are in this, coming after Jesus, hoping to trap him, hoping to trip him up. And, and, and the way they wanted to do that was that they undoubtedly, okay, and we know this from his earlier teachings on divorce and Sermon on the Mount, they already knew Jesus's position uh, or what he had been teaching about marriage and about divorce. And in their minds, um, they thought that this contradicted what Moses taught in Deuteronomy 24 about divorce, and they wanted to trip him up. They wanted to expose him as being opposed to Moses. They are also, um, you know, and th this is in a time and a culture and a part of Israel's history where divorce was pretty common. And, and it was something that could only be initiated by a man in that particular culture, okay? Now, none of this was necessarily in accordance with the Old Testament. Um, as we're going to see, the, the religious leaders had taken uh, something in the Old Testament and exploited it and attempted to leverage it for their own selfish ends. But nonetheless, they knew that divorce was quote-unquote popular. They knew what Moses' teaching was in Deuteronomy 24, and they are going to attempt to trip up Jesus. This is super important for the context, okay? So they come to Jesus and they ask him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause, okay? Now, what they are quoting is Deuteronomy 24, where, which is interestingly, when you read it in the context, never commands divorce. Um, it simply allows for divorce in situations by the man to the woman when there has been some sort of indecency on the part of the wife. Now, that um, in itself is a, was a point of controversy and still is about what, what, what is the nature of this indecency. We would naturally assume this would be sexual immorality, but this was not the way it was interpreted um, at that time. Indecency um, had come to mean any offense. And so there were a school of Jewish thought that was very pervasive that allowed a woman to be divorced by her husband for almost anything that he found offensive about her, whether uh, he liked her cooking or not, or I'm not exaggerating about this, or um, the way she looked, or any of these, any any way that she offended him. And of course, the um, Pharisees latched onto this. Okay, they had completely missed the heart and intention of the law. Okay, because Jesus makes clear here, hey, listen. Moses allowed for this, uh, for a certificate of divorce, um, because of your hardened heart. So in other words, this was a concession on his part. As the kingdom of God was moving into Israel and disrupting polygamous relationships, was disrupting um, um, you know, a, a secular paradigm of marriage, there was a sense in which God, by his grace, through progressive sanctification, allowed... Um, a certain state of things because of Israel's hardness of heart. But Jesus makes it very clear, this is not the sum total of God's teaching. In fact, this is an exception. It's not, it's not the principle behind everything. And here Jesus introduces for us something super important for us. This is really, really important. Whenever we come across a section of scripture that um, speaks to one context and not all contexts, and it, maybe it's a little unclear, 
or maybe we, we want to know more, the best place to go to interpret Scripture is where? Scripture. And that's what Jesus does. He says, all right, you're quoting Deuteronomy 24. Let's go back to Genesis 2, and let me give you the underlying principle about marriage that you guys are completely missing, okay? Which is, um, God created a man and a woman. He created them to be together, to for that union to not be dissolved, um, and for this to glorify God. This was this was the way it was intended to be. One man, one woman, forever till death do us part. Okay, um, he said. Now, now there is one exception to that. Okay, in this particular case, um, unless there's been sexual immorality. Now we have to say why why sexual immorality? Well, because um, it's the ultimate covenant breaker, right? How many times in God's word does He use this sexual imagery of adultery to show the breach of covenant between God and His people? And and what Jesus is saying here is that because you're joining your body to another, uh, the two the two are becoming one. It 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 by definition breaks the current covenant that you have. Now, Jesus says it doesn't command divorce here. He's just saying that's the, that's the, that's the primary exception. And so, so here's what Jesus is saying, okay? He's saying, you men who are out there divorcing your wives for any and all reason, stay married, love your wife, unless there has been a breach of the highest order of sexual immorality, stay together, this is God's design. Now, when the disciples hear this, they freak out because they're like, well, then who in the world can stay married? Who in the world should marry? And Jesus communicates to them in this passage, hey, listen, um, by the grace of God, everyone accepts his station in life, and God gives grace for this um, to happen, okay? So um, what we see here then is that in this context, Jesus is not addressing any and all situations of of divorce or remarriage. He's addressing the religious leaders specifically about their question, which is, is it okay, Jesus, to divorce your wife for any and all reasons? Moses seems to say so, to which Jesus says, no, it's not okay. It's not God's original design, and that's not even what Moses was saying. Moses was just giving a concession in a time when your hearts were super hardened. He was trying to protect the wife, he was trying to um, accommodate where you guys are in your sinfulness, but this is not the way things ought to be. Now, here's a great quote from a commentary I was reading this morning, and it helps us to understand how to appropriate this in our own lives. He says, it is important to remember that the issue was not divorce in the modern sense of a legally approved annulment of a marriage on the initiative of either partner or both, but the right of the Jewish man to repudiate his wife by a simple unilateral declaration against which there was no appeal. So in other words, Jesus is not trying to address any and all personal contexts that we that we might that might arise in our own lives. He's addressing this specific one, which is husbands be committed, stay married. It's God's design. If there's been an issue of of extreme covenant breaking, then that introduces a new dynamic, but otherwise stay married okay so 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 how do we apply this a lot of times i think we approach this issue of divorce and remarriage from a couple of different 
places that I think are unhealthy, okay? One way to approach it is to say, I'm looking in scripture for any and all passages which speak to this so that I might find a loophole somehow, some way to be out of my current context or to justify what I'm doing. And we, I liken this to sort of the, the conversation you have with people who are dating who are asking in a physical part of their relationship, how far is too far? I said, it's the wrong question, right? What you're really saying is, I wanna know what that line is. I wanna be able to walk as close as I can to it. And it doesn't, it doesn't communicate a heart of submission. It doesn't communicate a heart of, I want to do what the will of God is. And so I think this sort of desire to look to scripture, to look for all the different exceptions that we might pull out of different contexts to say, well, then my divorce is allowed or it's, it's allowed in this particular situation. I think that misses the point. What we always have to do as, as people who are under King Jesus' authority is to say, God, I'm submitting my life to you. There's some complexities here. I need you to speak with wisdom through your word and trusted people in my life, okay? So, so one hand, I think that's one extreme we want to, um, we want to avoid. There's another extreme, though, which tends to do what the Pharisees did, which is to be incredibly legalistic um, in the way that we're viewing things in an unhealthy way. Um, so, so for example, um, there might be situations in your own life for people that you know where there is horrific abuse, where there is domestic violence, where there is just, I mean, untold uh, horrors happening and we treat that in a legalistic way to say, well, see, unless there's actually like physical sexual immorality on the part of your husband or wife, you can't, you know, you have no recourse. And it's like, I think that's also a misreading of this, okay? Remember, Jesus is speaking to a very specific context with a very specific question, just as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 7. What was happening there? Well, there was a pagan couple. One spouse became a Christian, the other didn't and um, the unbelieving spouse was wanting to divorce and leave the believing spouse. And what is Paul's admonition there? His admonition is if they are willing to stay married, stay married, okay? Um, if they are refusing to be married and leaving, then you are released, you are free um, to remarry, you are free to, uh, in terms of your responsibilities there. And, and so Paul's addressing a specific context. There's a million contexts, okay, uh, or, or personal situations that we have to bring the principles of scripture to abide by. So for example, I was talking with a, with a friend who's involved in mission work in Uganda, and oftentimes um, in these polygamous cultures, okay, uh, men might have five or six wives, they come to become a Christian, and all of a sudden they're, they're faced with a multitude of complexities, right? What do you do? Um, you're supposed to be married to one woman and it's, it's super complex. And we understand, I understand, there are many of those kind of situations in your own life, hopefully not polygamy, but you get what I'm saying. And that's where we need the church. That's where we need leadership. That's where we need fellow Christians to come alongside of us, help us to understand what the word of God says first and foremost, and then how does this apply to my life. So, so to wrap this up, one of the things that we see here in Matthew 19 is that Jesus holds marriage in the 
highest regard, right? It's, it's not meant to be a battlefront for us to work out our, um, our own wills, so to speak, in terms of why we should or shouldn't stay in a marriage. There is a command, a directive that we all need to come under and say, marriage is a precious thing. How do we uphold it? How do we protect it? How do we display it to the glory of God and all things that we do for our kids, for our culture, for other Christians, for our neighbors? And then, yes, there are going to be times, situations where there are there are there is human sin, maybe terrible, terrible human sin, and we have to understand how do we work out the principle of what Jesus says here um, into our own context. And obviously, that's that's a whole other discussion. But again, if that raises concerns, questions for you, we'd love to talk to you, help you sort those things out. But here in this context, these men who are making light of their marriage, willy-nilly, I'm divorcing because I'm not happy, or I don't like the cooking, or I don't like my situation in life. Jesus is saying, tough, stay married. It's God's intention, God's design. God will glorify himself through it. Let's pray. Lord, we do need your help in understanding and applying these very tough passages. And so give us your grace, give us your mercy, and give us your help. Lord, we commit these things now to you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so the next time we are together for this study is going to be next Monday. We're going to be in Matthew 20. But of course, hope to see many of you this Sunday in person for the first time in a long time. Um, If you can't be there, we're live streaming, of course. But looking forward to it. Have a great day, great weekend.